All right. I am uh, ready whenever you are. I just yeah, put up the. All right. It's time to get things started with How to Survive the Modern World or Gen X Isn't Just a Fashion Statement, presented by Tribe74.com. Two thousand and twenty-two. Can you believe, Andrew, that you and I are talking about two thousand and twenty-two? Oh, damn! I didn't. I probably should change my calendar. I'm still oh. in two thousand and one. <laughs> two thousand and one. Wow, you're yeah, really exactly. behind. I have not changed my calendar in over twenty years. Well, I mean, to be fair, once you get to a certain age, it twenty-one really years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, once you get past twenty-one. The rest of your life just doesn't matter anymore. No, it's all downhill from there. It really is. I mean, how sad <laughs> is that? <laughs> so what uh, What did you do for the holidays? Did you do anything exciting? Uh, not a heck of a lot. Got out, did visited with a little bit of family, went out and did some photography, uh, did a little bit of hiking, and uh, that was really about it. How about yourself, man? Well, I did absolutely uh, jack squat, really, you know, just plugged uh, away at, uh, at the things I do. Yeah, fantastic. Eh? And I managed to catch up on uh, some watching, uh, mm. including the phenomenal, or I'm not going to say phenomenal, the the series on Disney, uh, Hawkeye, the Marvel series on Hawkeye, as well as I got to go out opening night, uh, pre-opening night to go see the Spider-Man movie beautiful i was able to catch spider-man as well too just when uh, actually the night before opening because we have friends that work with rogers and they had a pre-screen for all rogers employees mm -hmm. and they had some extra tickets so we jumped in caught that so that was fantastic and then my plan was just sit down and watch TV and catch up on stuff that I've been meaning to watch. I had started the first episode of Hawkeye after it had come out and I kept trying to get my son to watch it with me. And so I kept putting off because he goes, Oh no, I'm busy I'm playing with my friends on games. And so finally I just had enough. I sat down Friday night, watched the next two episodes and then the next morning, I finished off the the whole series. So is it fair to say, let, let's just jump right into it. Is it fair to say that it captured you and brought you in? Oh, yeah. 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 No, greatest Christmas story ever now. <laughs> <laughs> we I, should have uh, been talking about this a month ago. Apparently, apparently. I'm kind of glad that, that we waited until we were all caught up. But I think uh, to me, it was a slow, that, uh, a slow, a slow that show a show that was started off slow a show that started off slow. let me get that all we'll get out. there we'll, we'll get, get there. there but then it really picked up and really made me you know like in like i wanted more at the end of yeah it, i wanted more uh, no i like I, I yeah they've totally set us up for a whole lot more of hawkeye that's for sure yeah I'm not a huge fan of uh, jeremy renner in general but I think he did a great job and he became endearing in his role through this, uh, this show. Haley Steinfeld, she as Kate Bishop, 
uh, was a little dry at first, but I think when they injected Florence Pugh, Flo Yelena Belova into it, it really, to me, turned the whole series around. Oh, yeah, completely. All of a sudden, the big assassin is showing up and she's coming after Hawkeye. And I love the whole, dyna- the whole dynamic uh, between the two of them, actually. Yeah, and like, yeah, it started off like, like I said, it started off a little weak as as far as I'm concerned, but then like they really grew grew onto me, and then I think once uh, once Yelena showed up, and the stories of the other characters kind of started to come together, and you started to realize, you know, uh, who these characters were, like Maya, for instance, uh, the the uh, I can't remember what her character name is called, uh, the deaf girl, uh, just. Mm-hmm everything's kind of started to come together it just took a little bit to get there (laughs) yeah i would agree i would agree the first episode i was kind of like well this is this is okay like i i like it and it kind of seemed like it was maybe a high school classroom that put the story together Mm -hmm. but then marvel came in and disney came in and did what they do to make it fantastic and make it look great but after that first episode the storyline just progressed yeah it just kept getting better and better and every all the pieces just kind of fell into place mm-hmm. i can't say enough about florence Pugh. she's become my, my favorite actress within a year she's become my favorite <laughs> actress like like I, and i'm not even joking like she's just everything she does and even though I found that her Russian accent is a little contrived, and I even found that with Black Widow and stuff like that, uh, it's just the character, whether it's the lines, the delivery, or whatever it is, the character just becomes so endearing. Even if she's kind of technically a uh, a bad guy yeah. from when she first is introduced, you still feel for her and you really love her as a character. And you almost want her to kick Jeremy Renner's butt. <laughs> just because he needs it yeah and she does a pretty decent job of doing that oh completely uh the fight scene between uh uh, yelena and kate uh when they're going through the apartment buildings and stuff fantastic oh yeah and kate so Haley steinfeld uh really started doing dear when 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 she became less of a parody character and more of a serious contributor then that's kind of when she kind of started to grow on me and she wasn't just there for comedy, comedic relief. Yeah. What was really interesting to see all of the family dynamic that you, you watch as a strung, kind of strung the storyline over to Kingpin. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic to introduce him because you always just associate him with Daredevil and to bring him over to this, to this side. I, I thought that was great. That That is like the, the big badass that they truly need in these comic movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, I think, the I mean, other than with the exception of Thanos, maybe, I don't think that the bad guys in uh, the Marvel Universe, the MCU, really kind of get the credit or I guess the viciousness that they deserve. And Kingpin, I mean... They just made him such a badass and that is the way he should be. And that's the way he was in the Daredevil series, like between him, when him and the Punisher were in jail and stuff like that together. uh, I mean, that's what they need. They certainly need in the MCU is that one big badass bad guy who is truly sinister and 
you know, is a tough guy too. Now I really haven't read much, much of the Hawkeye series since I was a kid. And so outside of the movies, that's really all I know about him. Do you like, do you know, was there much interaction between him and Kingpin in the, in the comic books? Now I'm not up to date on the modern run where Kate, Kate Bishop and Clinton Barton work together, but I do believe that a lot of this was actually taken from one of the runs, recent runs. So, and I believe the Kingpin is a part of it. And even like the, the scene where he runs into Echo. I believe Echo is uh, Maya Lopez's character's name, like superhero name. So played by Alacqua Cox, I believe her name is. Mm-hmm. Alacqua Cox. When they make that, they have that run in. I believe that that actually happens in the comic books. Not going to give away any spoilers, but uh, let's just say that this is not the last we see of the Kingpin. <laughs> so Excellent. thankfully, thankfully, because I was, I was a little dismayed with how they just kind of, he shows up, episode five, he's dead, episode six, or gone, episode gone, six. Gone, episode six. Yeah. But I mean, he certainly made the impact, like the way he threw Kate Bishop around as if oh, she was yeah. just like, okay, she's a mosquito. You are a minor player in all of this. Get off me. And just the fact that he was just ready to move on, it was yeah. actually pretty uh, ridiculous, but ridiculous in a good way. So has Kingpin with regards to his, his strengths, has there ever been anything discovered that he is, is beyond human, that he has some sort of superpower or does he just happen to be that? Does he happen to be that one percenter? He is, I think he's just the one percenter. I mean, money, money is power. Maybe. Um, I believe in the yeah, Daredevil. But just his strength as well, too. His physical strength. He's always been able to take well, that punch, take that hit, be run over by a car, whatever, crush and people walk away. Hand. Yeah. I think that he's always had that innate ability. Kind of like I'm, I'm a huge Punisher fan. And if you know the Punisher from the comic books, the Punisher can take an absurd amount of punishment, mm-hmm. you know, pardon the pun. <laughs> and I think Daredevil, or sorry, not Daredevil, Kingpin is one of those characters who's just like, just super strong. And uh, I believe they also address the thing like uh, where he gets shot, but he can take a bullet. Um, yeah. As that he wears armor all the time and that his suit is basically just like a, a very extravagant body armor. Okay. It's addressed. And I don't remember whether it was addressed in the Daredevil TV show or if it was addressed somewhere in the comic books, but just his power is how he stays in power but i don't think that i don't know off the top of my head and i could be completely wrong here but i don't believe that he has any superpowers other than just being badass just damn tough just damn tough i love the fact that they are now connecting the storylines of daredevil and kingpin and and uh all of those guys punisher over to the rest of what you consider to be the marvel universe you don't these guys are more of a side story most of the time they've got their own little world that they live in and now they're connecting the two and bringing them together i think now that i think that the netflix contract is running out and so then these characters, the Hell's Kitchen, I call them the Hell's Kitchen combo or whatever you want to call it, yeah, yeah, are, yeah. are moving over into the MCU. And when uh, we'll talk about it briefly in our next movie, but when 
Daredevil shows up into the world of the MCU. Oh uh, yeah. That I mean I love that, that. That was a boner moment. But we'll talk we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that when we get to the uh when we get to our next subject. But yeah, I absolutely love. I mean, as a Punisher stan, as a Punisher fan, as long as they do justice and uh the most recent version of the Punisher John Bernthal who played him in the Punisher TV show and the Daredevil TV show, he said that as long as he will be happy to reprise the role as long as they do the Punisher right. And doing the Punisher right is to may have him, you know, be badass, have him take no names, have him shoot first, ask questions later. As long as they continue to do that in the Disney universe, then he will continue with that role. And I think that is the only way that they can really continue with the Punisher. They have to have him stay the same. I think Disney has really kind of opened their eyes as to what they can do with this Marvel universe that People don't really look at it as being a Disney brand, but they look at it as being the Marvel brand. Well, and when, when you step away like that, then you are able to do so much more with the characters. It doesn't have to be this kind of kumbaya moment all the time where we sing and dance, but where you can blast somebody off the face of the earth and be okay with it. I, I hope that they can do that. I, I don't have yeah. it. I mean, you know, like you're I, still not convinced. We we've sang the praises of Disney on this podcast since oh, day yeah. one, and I mean for for good reason, I think. However, they haven't had to treat anything with uh, this kind of brutality yet. I mean, you remember Logan and uh, yeah, uh, the movie Logan and Deadpool came from a different company and weren't part of the MCU when they those films are made and those films are definitely definitely like outside of the disney brand in the <laughs> amounts of gore and violence and such i mean if you remember the the opening sequence of logan when he's just like slaughtering these drunken bastard drunken gang members or whatever they were right and he's yeah. like he even like shoves his his claws up through the guy's face right like that is not something you ever see in disney so I got to go back and watch some of those movies, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> to, I mean, it's, it's too early to tell. And yeah. I mean, there are ways to get around it, right? Can you make a Punisher movie? Can you make the, the, the Hell's Kitchen trio or the Hell's Kitchen group? Can you make them honest characters with the Disney formula? I don't know. I mean, there, there's ways to do it. They can just put it under one of their other brands. Like, you know, Disney has another couple brands that aren't tied into the whole princess disney right. idea so they could do it but well, i'm they? curious as to if there'll be more of a connection between hawkeye and in the hell's kitchen crew i don't i wonder i don't know yeah um, i think that would be awesome because i love all of those guys i think i think that clint barton is hawkeye the current uh uh take on him i think definitely could fit in with the hell's kitchen crew yeah because he's he's still immortal could, i mean could you imagine him being part i mean they're i guess they're working towards the young avengers and could you imagine him uh, but could you imagine clint barton with uh luke cage and daredevil and the punisher yeah all kind of working some in some form or another That'd uh, be cool. I, I think you could definitely get away with it i i think uh that something that betrays it and um, we probably should, we're getting way off topic, but I think oh, something completely. that completely <laughs> something that betrays uh, the Disney formula 
in regards to Hawkeye is the fact that they used all these trick arrows, but none of them were real arrows. Like they weren't just, you know, oh, you shot me with an arrow and it went through me and now I have a gaping hole in my body and there's blood everywhere. No, they have purple gel and explosive mm. or ones that freeze your leg so that you can't walk. Um, yeah. So there was a little yeah. bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the audience is vastly different for this show. Yeah. Uh, before no. we, sorry, before we r- jump on to our next subject, uh, let's talk about some of the Easter eggs. Was there anything oh. you noticed? Oh, God. You know, I wasn't even watching for that. What, what, what? did i miss okay did you notice at the end the very end of the show and after all the searching they, they kept referencing a watch okay and yes yeah laura laura barton so so hawkeye's wife was looking for a watch and she seemed to have some influence on a lot of stuff that was happening like she had to make some phone calls for clint but nobody really seemed to notice hey wait a second how does she have all of this inside scoop unless she is somebody important somewhere yeah and they finally get the watch to her and i believe it was the number 19 inscribed on the back of the watch on the inside of the watch with the shield logo yes still in the comic books hawkeye is in love with a character named mockingbird who just happens to also be agent 19 of shield oh so his wife, even though she was a uh, mockingbird in a different version within uh, MCU somewhere else, and I don't remember where, Linda Cardellini is mockingbird. So there's that. Nice. I wasn't uh, putting it together. I, I definitely noticed the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. logo, but mm-hmm. I hadn't, I couldn't connect it. Uh, you know what? I remember when you were watching What If, and you were so obsessed with uh, the armor, the version of the armor, yeah, the yeah, yeah. armor. That you wanted to know what the numbers meant. And thinking, <laughs> oh, exactly. and how did you miss this, Andrew? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that there was a connection and I just wasn't putting it together. But yeah, 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 no, I caught, I did notice it, but I just couldn't put it together. Mm-hmm. Did you catch anything else that? Uh, I'm trying to think of there's, there was lots of like little hints and references and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I don't think there was anything that really stood out beyond the fact that Maya Lopez is going to be a character moving forward as Echo. I think the name is Echo, and I believe they even have her slated for a show. Um, the the what is it the uh, the tracksuit mafia? And uh, <laughs> these guys were hilarious. They were. I thought they. I thought they were a little silly, but yeah. Um, and uh, I don't remember. There was something else. Oh, I can't remember now. But there was something about the cosplayers the uh the larpers somewhere along the way they have something to do in the marvel universe as well but i can't remember what it was i just want to uh so one last point i want to make on this show and yeah. i mean i'll let you say something too because i've been talking a lot no, no. but when florence uh or sorry when yelena is standing in front of the mirror and then she shows up in front of the mirror again like she was part of the snap and how she yeah. comes out of the snap as you know like five years later mm-hmm to me, that was an amazing tie-in to the MCU in general. Yep. And really, holy crap, that's what happens, you know, if you were those people. And that oh, was something that exactly. was never never really addressed in the movies or anything else. So to see, like, her actually go through the process of the snap and, yeah, and come back five years later without even, without barely blinking. 
I was fantastic and a fantastic nod to the MCU. And I just love how they tied that in. And it just made it, I don't know, it just something about it. It was just so cool. I think with all of the success of of this miniseries, I think that Marvel definitely has to go ahead with a season two. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they're going to. Well, right now there hasn't been anything said if they're actually, if they're even planning it, are they going to go ahead with it? But I'm only hearing positive things about it. That's correct. Yeah. I'm thinking that these characters all have a mission somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that. And this is kind of the cheap way for, for Disney and Marvel to get these characters, uh, their background, their character development stories. So that when, let's say, for instance, uh, Kate Bishop and Yelena move on to become the Young Avengers or into the, th- the Thunderbolts, when they move on to the Thunderbolts, you've already got some established characters there. So that I think that will make a big difference, like with that US Agent and all that stuff. So wh- briefly, where would you put this on your list of Marvel TV series? Would it be in the top or would it be in the bottom? One, I really liked it. But mm-hmm. in turn, if I think about all the series and, I, and I'm also considering the Netflix series as well, mm-hmm. too, that they, that they did with the characters, I would probably actually put it more so in the bottom half. Wow. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I'm still blown away by this mini series and I think they can do so much more with it, but maybe, maybe I was just kind of more tied in with some of the other characters. Mm, Still thought this was great though. You're, you're a big fan of the hell's kitchen trio. So I I understand that Uh, I am as well. I feel that as a, a, an MCU tie in this, this comes only second to WandaVision. Mm. Uh, but I never considered the Netflix series. I would say that uh, obviously the Punisher is my favorite. Yeah. And the second season of Daredevil and Jessica Jones probably beat this show and probably beat WandaVision. But I think if we're going to talk just strictly on MCU tie-in, this is definitely, I it's, it is really close to even tying WandaVision as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have we talked about WandaVision before? We must have at some point. I'm pretty sure we've talked about it on one of you the know what? previous I, episodes. I, I like the, the whole storyline. Like I thought it was really well written. I still wasn't a big fan of the show overall. I still thought it was pretty cool, but anyway, that's that's not a part of our, our chit <laughs> chat tonight. Yeah. I think really, gosh, I think that just really sets us up to move on to Spider-Man No Way Home. That's right. So you said that you got to see it. Uh, I got to see it the Thursday night before it came out or the night that it came out, uh, which was an interesting. Uh, my The shop that I've been hanging out with, uh, the uh, the owner ponied up. Uh, I think it was 18 or 19 tickets. Wow. And, uh, so we all went together as a huge group. Oh, and fantastic. Uh, they they were all absolutely, they died over it. They absolutely <laughs> loved it. They, they were goo goo gaga over it. And I got to say, it's up there. Yeah, I'm no, I think, was, I think it was really well done. I think it was as a superhero movie uh, in the MCU, it was probably one of the best. Yeah. But I, I'm not as goo goo gaga as a lot of other people are about it. I think they, what made it, uh, I think what it made it really interesting 
was all the different tie-ins that they had Mm -hmm. you know first i was excited by the fact that daredevil was representing him which okay well let's stop right there best scene (laughs) best scene of the whole movie i'm sorry best (laughs) scene of the whole movie was matt murdoch sitting there and the the this i don't want to spoil it but the sequence of events that happens in the in the the two minutes that he's on screen best part of the whole movie yeah, that's part of the movie. And that's so, not a knock on anything else. That's just the best part of the whole movie. No, there's that. Yeah. And then the, the, I guess I can say this. Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this, you've probably already seen the movie. Or you the already fact, know. That, yeah, the, worst exactly. keep, the, the worst kept, worst secret, kept secret, secret in all of the music. The fact history. that they bring the other two Spider Men back and how they tie that storyline in with the, the multiverse. Mm-hmm. like i mean that just blew my mind it i it wasn't i wasn't expecting it at all oh really really okay i, I hadn't totally... even heard about that before okay uh before the the movie premiered because as far as i know it was the worst kept secret in all of movie <laughs> history um it was just i hang out with the wrong people <laughs> it was just a matter well i mean yeah i'm in a comic shop all the time so yeah <laughs> it, it was just a matter of uh, how they brought them in that I wasn't as satisfied with. But I mean, I understand the nostalgia. I understand uh, the excitement. But I, I, taking a look through my like son's eyes, for instance, he's not a big movie fan. He's not a big movie buff. Uh, he's certainly not MCU material. My my daughter forced him to watch quite a few of the movies to try to get him up to date on all of it. Every, and everybody knows the Spider-Man storyline. Yeah. Uh, so when it happened... He wasn't one of the people standing up cheering when those guys showed up on the screen. Right. And think of it this way. Like if you're not in tune with, you know, the previous uh, like Andrew Garfield and uh, Tobey Maguire versions of the movies, why would this be an important part to the movie for you? No, exactly. It does do some good character establishment. It does give him like the, the modern character. uh, I can't remember his name off the top. Why do I not remember his name off the top? Uh, Holland, Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. It does give his Spider-Man kind of motivation to continue on. And that's, I think, really important because after after the, the the death of one of the prominent characters, it's uh, it's important to see how he you know, decides to continue on with what he's supposed to be doing. So having these characters kind of show up and establish that for him. And the, the good thing is, and the great thing is, and I think a lot of people agree, is that the fact that those guys stuck around I think yeah. everybody, everyone's thinking these guys are just going to drop in. They're going to make some stupid cameo appearance with one line and then disappear. Yeah, and disappear. But then they became an integral part of the finale. Yeah, completely. It was and a great battle. It was great for all of their characters and the actors, I think, for sure. It was great for their characters to kind of, especially when you consider that uh, the way Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's characters, their Spider-Man were kind of let down or left with a bad taste in, in the people's mouths in their regards, right? Like their characters kind of were not the greatest send off for them. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of gave them a little bit of retro uh, retribution, I guess, or redeem it, it redeem these go. characters. Yeah. So that was really good. The best part of the movie for me, uh, obviously other than Matt Murdock showing up was the turn of William Defoe was Norman Osborne. Yeah, when he goes from the miserly, mentally ill patient 
to turning right around and that look on his face. And I'm like, holy shit, that totally <laughs> like I, I, I didn't for me to say that I, I didn't know it was going to happen. It would be bad or would be wrong. But at the same right. time, it's just like the way he just went from like a, a total of 180 and it's just like, wow. And he became uh, we, we talked about this in the Hawkeye series. He became the badass that badasses deserve. Mm-hmm. He was oh, he does it well. Evil, and I mean William Defoe already looks like a bad guy, so <laughs> make him look like a bad guy. And yeah. wow, let him play the part. I definitely really enjoyed the uh, the changes that they made to the uh, the bad guys. So yeah, Jamie Foxx's character was was fantastic. His portrayal of Electro like so much better than he was in the previous version. Alfred Molina as Doctor Octopus again so much better than the previous version. These characters were just so much more fleshed out and they were the truly sinister bad guys that they should have been. And absolutely, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I really loved how they kind of brought all of those characters into this Spider-Man's universe. And the Mm -hmm. fact essentially that he didn't even know who any of them were. It certainly gave a, uh, yeah, a different aspect or, or viewpoint yeah. Uh, which was kind of neat. And not understanding how he doesn't know about these characters. Mm-hmm. It it was weird, though, in a way that I, how quickly they all accepted the idea of the multiverse. Just that quickly. Oh, that, <laughs> uh, that seems reasonable. I don't see why why there wouldn't be a multiverse. I, I mean, oh, it happens, guys. It happens. You know? <laughs> sure, you're from a different universe. When we pulled you out of a the many the many worlds theory, we pulled you out of it, you know, and you're all scientists and you all believe in that <laughs> for some reason. You would think you need a little bit more proof. You would think. I'm I, just, I, but then again, all of a sudden you're in a whole new world. It becomes pretty compelling. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I mean, <laughs> there's a million other answers or solutions to why Spider-Man's different in this particular instance. But whatever. I mean, let's not be neither here nor there about a decent movie is there anything in particular that stood out for you that would have made it the best superhero movie of all time oh gosh that's tough (laughs) that's tough like i mean there was a lot of great things about it i think it probably just comes down quite honestly to character preference and how much you're in love with each individual character because we all have our favorites Mm -hmm. and and our allegiances often go to, to those characters. Now, what they're able to do with CGI now and the camera work that they can do, it is unbelievable. And I, you know, I couldn't even imagine where they could progress from here, but they For probably sure. are. So at some point, these films are going to seem like you know nothing and people are gonna laugh at them saying that oh you know this is the beginning of cgi and look look how bad that filming quality was like we look back to those early movies but there was a lot of things that went right for this movie for sure Um, for sure you know and i'm definitely going to go back and watch it again as soon as i have the opportunity to whether that's actually going to the theater again, now that the, all, uh, you know, all the numbers have been uh, minimized, I'm not sure that I'll have the chance to, but 
I'll probably just wait till it comes out on Disney plus and I can watch it there. But I, you know, wasn't even really planning on talking about it for this week. And had I even thought about it, I probably would have been sitting there writing notes as we went along. So I could be better prepared to talk to you and for our listeners as well too. But heck, it was just a good damn movie. I think, you know what? Like, I think that there's something to be said, like for the special effects and stuff like that. I think that uh, the issue to me isn't so much a special effects because it, it was fantastic. There's no doubt about it. And the whole movies, Doctor Strange world was unbelievable. Oh, the, the movies are just getting so much better for that. And the MCU, of course, is all is obviously at the forefront for that. But I think that there still has to be something said for quality of film uh, in regards to the filmmaking, the script and all that stuff. And there, there were certain things in this movie. And one of the big ones for me was, I'm going to spoil it, the death of May, Aunt May. Yeah. While it should have been emotional, and it almost was, but <laughs> it carried on, and I've said this numerous times, it carried on like the death of PB Herman in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> like, it just kept going. And it's like, how are you supposed to, supposed to uh, have the sympathy how are you supposed to feel the emotion necessary when she just keeps plugging away, even though she's got a, a mortal injury? And that she didn't just bug like, me that much. I, I now having said that, I didn't really feel that much emotion to that that, and that scene. That to me, right there, yeah. should tell you though. Like, if it is supposed to be the emotional scene that it's supposed to be and should have been, which I right. believe, totally believe it should have been very emotional. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is Aunt May. It should exactly. have been a very emotional scene. And I found that it was like, okay, just die. Would you just <laughs> flip and die? Like, I mean, she just kept going. And then uh, uh, I and need my was, closure now. Yeah, there wasn't, I mean, obviously there was a grieving period later for, for Peter Parker, obviously after he had to escape and hide and all that stuff. But it just, it just seemed like it was one of those things that could have been a little more cut and dry and could maybe a little more brutal in a way emotionally. And I just felt that, Oh my God, it just kept going and going and going and going. Yeah. And it's like, okay, are you going to die or what? Like it even got to the point where I was confused. Is it her that's going to die? Is it Peter that's going to die? Is Who's going to die right now? Is she even going to die? <laughs> is she just going to be, you know, show up in the hospital a month later? Uh, is she going to be wearing the Spider-Man costume at the end? Like in all the Venom movies? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which seems to be the way that they do these things with uh, Marvel movies, whether it's the, uh, uh, the Sony verse or the MCU, the girlfriend or the friend always ends up wearing a costume somewhere along the line. So, I mean, I was really expecting may Aunt may to come back wearing a Spider-Man costume or something. One other, one other disappointment for the movie for me was no miles Morales. Um, <laughs> you, you got the multiverse. You've already talked about the multiverse in the original uh, multiverse Spider-Man movie, the, the the animated version. Why doesn't Miles Morales, even if it's just a cameo appearance, he should have shown up. <laughs> I'm Kevin, just saying. You need, you need to be there. Yeah, I guess so. He, I mean, <laughs> look, does need anyway. I, look, I still fun, really enjoyed the movie. Definitely fun, get out fun movie. and see it if you if you haven't as of yet. Because it, it's pretty cool. It will blow your mind, especially if you are a, a Marvel fan, Spider-Man Spider fan, fan for sure. in particular. There's so many, I can't believe it's happening moments 
no, de- definitely, definitely get out and see it. And, and if you can watch it a second time. Yeah. I definitely think that uh, I I'm looking forward to watching it again without the 3d without the, the screaming people. Uh, see, I in, didn't in, see it in 3d. I want really? to see it in 3d now. Uh, 3d didn't really do anything. No? I don't think. Okay. No. Uh, 3d okay, is great. I, 3d I is great in, for the, uh, the doctor strange uh, sequences. And that's why I want to see it. Yeah. That it, whole sequence is really the only reason that I want mm-hmm. to see it. But as for like a, just a generic movie, I mean, you know, it's a superhero movie, of course, 3d is great, but by the, by the third minute in the film, you've already forgotten that it's 3d. Oh, okay. Now I have to mention because the listeners can't see it. And I just clued into this Easter egg right now. The fact that you're actually drinking out of a Spider-Man oh, cup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you plan that or what, but I'm looking at our time here as we're about to wrap up and I just caught it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Easter egg that you well needed to played. see. <laughs> well played, my friend. Oh, beautiful. Well, I'm going to let you send it off because that's what you do. Man, well, that's been another episode of How to Survive the Modern World or Gen X isn't just a fashion statement. Another great show. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, it was awesome. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Bye. How to Survive the Modern World or Gen X isn't just a fashion statement has partnered with Patreon. So you can help support the podcast for as little as $3 a month and get access to exclusive content. Visit patreon.com forward slash how to survive the modern world to see how you can become a pod pal or even the pod god.